welcome back to the Go For Two podcast. This is our conference championship preview. I'm your host, Liam, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Patrick. Patrick, mate, uh, only two games this weekend, which is uh, a bit of a shame, but two of the best games you're going to see all season. So how uh, how excited are you? Yeah, this is it, isn't it? We're going we're gonna to know the Super Bowl by late Sunday night. So, yeah, I'm hyped. Last weekend was obviously so, so good, wasn't it? I just hope that we can... Get kind of the balance. If you remember the championship games last season, um, obviously Bucks Packers went all the way, didn't it? And then we had the big storyline of Aaron Rodgers, should he run it in or not? But the other game, the Chiefs game, was a non-story. So I am hoping that we don't get that this year with the Chiefs game. I am hoping that history repeats itself. <laughs> <laughs> but for the neutral, definitely. want two exciting games. Um, I think if we get like 75% as excited as last weekend, then it'll be a good weekend, wouldn't it? Because uh, Yeah, definitely. Yeah, those last two games Sunday would just got everyone going with Brady having another huge comeback and then a stupid zero blitz that everyone loves to hate on Twitter. And then obviously uh, probably the best game of the season afterwards. So let's hope that... Uh, Let's hope this weekend is uh, just as good if we can get it. Um, plan for today, we will preview both of those games. But first of all, we've actually got some off-season, uh, off-season news. Uh, you texted me yesterday, didn't you, saying finally some, uh, some off-season news. And we've got quite a lot, actually, to go, to go through. Let's kick it off with a, what worded was a retirement, but we know it's not a retirement. Because um, he said himself in his own press conference, it's not a retirement. Uh, Sean Payton leaving the Saints. I think he's got one year left on his deal. Uh, if he sits out for a year, technically he still will have one year left on his deal. That's how it works. So if he does want to come back, they're going to have to trade him uh, unless they cut his contract for him out of respect. But what are your thoughts on, I guess, his career with the Saints and him deciding to hang it up now for a year? <laughs> well, yeah, I think everyone, including me, saw through it immediately, right? And thinking, you just don't want to do another year, I think, is with that kind of roster set up and the cap or whatever. And that no, was Q- my... no QB, isn't it? That's the thing, I think. Yeah, exactly. Not got a quarterback. It's... So that was my first thing. And then when you look back over his career, actually, obviously, he's, I mean, he's been great for the Saints, hasn't he? He's hung up quite a lot of banners yeah. winning the division. And obviously, they won the Super Bowl after all the terrible things that had happened with Hurricane Katrina. People, could, I saw, I saw so many people uh, yesterday saying that uh, should they have won kind of more with him and Breeze together. But mate, it turns out it's really hard to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's not easy at all. A great tandem like that only once. You know, I was just spoke about Aaron Rodgers has only won it once, and mate, it's just so hard to be getting back there. But the constant kind of the Saints. Apart from a little spell in the 2000s where they went seven and nine a few times, they were, they've always been a tough out for everyone. So I think they're going to find out that life's going to be quite tough without Sean Payne. Yeah, I would agree. Um, don't always want to bring it back to uh, Patrick Mahomes. But uh, as a Chiefs fan, when I see people almost expecting it, I do feel a bit frustrated because Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, people like this, it is hard, isn't it, just to get title games. Do you know what I mean? It's... Uh, it's a very hard game where if you get two great teams, it can come down to one or two plays per game that makes a difference. I think the Saints definitely kind of fell foul to that, especially that Rams game with that stupid, uh, you know, that call that, uh, that they didn't get. That is still probably the worst call that I've ever seen. Uh, maybe the Dez catch is up there, but uh, yeah, that was a bad, that was a bad call. But uh, there's an argument to say it, not the last season, obviously, but three seasons before that, they are one of the best 
Okay, not dynasties because they weren't, but they were one of the best teams to not win a Super Bowl ever in that period of time. Because what were they winning? Like 13 games a season when there was one yeah. less game. Yeah. They got to two NFC title games, I think. Um, was it that? Was it them that Minnesota beat on the the miracle at the last yeah, second? Yeah, it was the Minneapolis miracle. It was the Saints. Yeah. Yeah. So you have Diggs with that touchdown. Then you have the ridiculous. Uh, no DPI call, and then the year after, if you remember, they were going to beat Tom Brady, and then Jared Cook fumbled the ball, and uh, the Bucks went on to win the game. And I do think that they'd have had a good chance against Aaron Rodgers in the in the title game. So, I think regular season wise, one of the best teams I've seen. Uh, he's one of my favourite coaches. Uh, obviously, I'm more of an offensive fan of football, and I think his play calling is arguably one of the best of all time, or since I've been watching anyway. Um, his pre-draft analysis when he went on the Lefko podcast and spoke about Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes before both of them, well, actually just after they were drafted, but before they played a game, uh, talking about how he spoke about them guys and they were going to be the face of the league and people were kind of not believing him and then flash forward to him retiring a week after the game they had against each other. I just think that he's a, he's a brilliant offensive mind and all signs point to him being the future coach of Dallas Cowboys, I think. <laughs> yeah, on that though, I would say that Jerry Jones is not incredibly trigger-happy as a coach, you know, what what's going to get Mike McCarthy fired? Well, apparently this is his last year of his deal, you see. So they'd have to oh, actually... Yeah. yeah, they'd have to actually renew him so he doesn't actually have to fire him. It would just be a case of, OK, we're going to go separate ways. So I think he's more likely to do that. And uh, what might do it is if he decides to do a QB draw with uh, 15 seconds to go or something again next season. But, yeah, I would agree. He's not very trigger-happy. And like I said, it has to be a trade. So any team could trade for him. Do you know I mean, David Tepper, who we've spoken about a million times, could literally offer the world to the Saints for Sean Payton if he wanted to. Uh, not saying Payton would actually then come out and, and then coach. He'd probably refuse and it wouldn't happen. But I think loads of teams would make an offer. It wouldn't just be the Cowboys. But all the rumours are that he's close to Jerry and Stephen Jones. So I think there's a chance it could happen, which wouldn't be good for your Eagles. <laughs> Um, no, not at all. We'll we'll see how the, uh, the the roster of the Cowboys shakes out until that happens. So I was no more worried. I was more worried <laughs> this year than I've ever been. So so let's go. So right, you got you, you got your QB for the future in Minshew now. So the yeah. NFC East goes through Philadelphia. I saw him. Uh, I actually saw a picture of him swinging a sword on a road trip <laughs> doing in his RV yesterday. So there's that. I've already seen him rumours of him going to Pittsburgh and I just can't think of a better fit because he just seems like a Pittsburgh guy. But uh, we'll see. Uh, next bit of news, we'll just go through this quickly. Uh, Panthers hire a new OC. The rumours were they wanted a rock star OC to go with um, the head coach, Matt Rule, and they decided to hire Ben McAdoo. What are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you, then... On the flip side of that, you go back to the Saints and you think to yourself, hold on a minute, if we can get an all competent coach here, you know, then we've only got the Buccaneers. If the Buccaneers lose yeah, Brady and Tom Brady, you're thinking, hold on a minute, we might still be okay here to sneak the division because the Falcons are obviously nothing to write about. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, oh, mate, McAdoo, I don't know where that came from. To get rid of someone as... High out as Joe Brady. Even if it wasn't kind of working out, there must be something better out there than Ben McAdoo. This is it for ruling Carolina this yeah. coming year. This is it's, it now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. My uncle was a Giants fan. Uh, so as a child, I uh, watched the Giants. And then when they hired Ben McAdoo's head coach after being OC, 
he was very angry and it was hilarious just to watch that season unfold because they ran more slants than anyone in NFL history. Uh, and that's his only play. Every third down, I, I read earlier, 78% of his third downs, if they weren't runs, they were just slants. And I was, just, <laughs> I just can't believe he's got a job. But uh, he's probably going to be the future interim coach because Matt Rule will get fired and McAdoo will get six weeks to uh, to probably coach the team. So maybe he's uh, decided to do that for himself. But yeah, we'll see. I'll be betting on and predicting on our future podcast for uh, Matt Rule to be first coach fired next season for sure. Uh, two GM hires then, one also with a head coach to talk about. So Vikings hire Kwesi Adofu Mensa. Uh, he is actually an ex-finance guy, analytics guy, uh, assistant GM in Cleveland. Uh, Andy Barry, I can't remember his name, that first name, Barry, the, um, uh, Barry, sorry, the uh, GM for Cleveland said that Kwesi basically did everything for him. He was almost the joint GM. He did that much. Uh, head of analytics as well, head of scouting and personnel. So does know football, but also very, very heavy analytics. So I imagine the Vikings have done this because it's complete opposite to the way that Spielman and uh, um, Zimmer used to run the team. Yeah, I mean, he he appears to... I, I personally not heard of him, but he appears to be highly thought of. I read a little Sports Illustrated piece on him yesterday, actually. He seems to be an incredibly thought-of guy. Went to Princeton, so that must he must be smart as hell to even get <laughs> And yeah. any kind of economics degree at Princeton. So, yeah, he, that's really interesting. It's nice to see, like, a complete change in direction, isn't it, from a set of owners. I do I do admire that, actually. I hope that kind of works out for them in that way. Yeah, they've just got to hire that coach now, haven't they? Because um, they're one of the only teams, actually, where I haven't written down. I've got some rumours coming for some of the other teams, but... They're a bit of a strange one because they're, they're, they've interviewed a few people, they've got secondary interviews, but there seems to be no rumours on who's kind of favourite for that job. I don't know if you've seen any names that are, are more favourites now, but I assume now they've got a GM that they can step up those secondary interviews. Yeah, I've not really seen anything on the Vikings. Like you said, that's kind of maybe they're trying to keep it under the radar sort of thing, but obviously the NFL tracks absolutely everything, don't they? So, it, yeah. The good thing maybe for them is that they were kind of waiting all the way for the GM to be in before really stepping it up, which I can imagine being true. Yeah, I know that the Rams um, OC has got an interview. Callum Moore's got an OC, had an interview. Nathaniel Hackett, who we'll talk about in a minute, he had an interview. But uh, yeah, there seems to be no strong rumour on who the who the choice will be. Uh, Bears also hire their GM, Ryan Poles from the Chiefs. Um, very well thought of. He's worked under three different GMs, I think, in Kansas City. Uh, Ex-Bears player as well, was a sixth-round tackle, or guard. Um, so, yeah, already knows the, the franchise. And uh, his first job was to hire Matt Eberflus as head coach. So the former Colts DC is now the head coach. Uh, I am not against the hire, but I thought they had better options from their interviews without obviously knowing how well they interviewed. What are your thoughts of them hiring uh, uh, a, quite a young GM? I think he's now the youngest GM in the league at age 36 or 38. And uh, obviously, Iberflus gets his first shot as a head coach there as well, under him. Well, the first thing I saw is obviously the GM got caught after he was drafted, so never really kind of made a roster. So it just shows you to never kind of give up if you've got those smarts, doesn't it, for football? So he's worked his way. Obviously, he's worked incredibly hard and he's an incredibly smart guy. But then on the flip side to that, it didn't take them long to get Matt Iberflus. That seems to be already locked in that which would worry me immediately for him 
how long has he been there and they've got the coaching higher? I know that they would have been doing work behind the scenes, but surely this yeah. is, needs to be his his guy and his say. It just feels a quick, bit quick for me. I mean, I don't know. Maybe all the work was done kind of with him before the deal was made, but yeah, yeah it's yeah. a little strange. It's very quick. Yeah, because he was the finalist actually for that job, the Vikings job, the Panthers job last year and another job the year before. So he has got to the final two or three of many, many ones. So he's obviously quite a, a well-established GM candidate. But uh, rumours were they were going to hire Dan Quinn. That was all the rumours coming out of Chicago. Brad Spielberger, a reporter, mentioned that. Uh, and apparently it was Poles, though, who chose Everflus over Quinn. He didn't, I guess, narrow the search down to the final three. But when it got down to the final three, uh, allegedly it was him that preferred Everflus to to Dan Quinn, which I do find interesting. I'm glad that if that is true, that he did have some input, but you won't really know where you until the season goes on and when things start to leak out, if they start to do badly or do well, then you're going to hear how close he is to the GM, I guess, at, at that stage. But um, Yeah, exactly. But yeah, weird defence for them. They make a lot of turnovers. Uh, on Hard Knocks, and his players love him. On Hard Knocks, they love him because he's very enthusiastic. He's very much a coach's coach, uh, player's coach as well. But... Yeah, their defence is very soft at times. So I do worry if he's going to be the defensive play caller and they're going to run the same defence they did in uh, at the Colts because the, the, the Bears haven't got the same level of players they have. But we'll see how they, how they go. Uh, other coach to be hired then only officially is Broncos to hire Nathaniel Hackett. We spoke about this on WhatsApp. So do you want to just give your take on whether you think this is a good or bad hire? Yeah, he's, I mean, he's quite young himself, isn't he? If you actually look at a picture of Nathaniel, like, he looks about 65 years old, but I was blown away. He's only, he's only four years older than me. He looks like my dad. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously, he's had the success in Green Bay. What I would say is I don't uh, think that this means that Rogers to the Broncos is any closer than it would be without him. I just don't think that Aaron Rodgers is wired up that way, that, oh, my mate has gone there, so I'm going to go there. He's going to march to the beat of his own drum. So it all depends on who they can get in at quarterback as to his success, right? He's got a lot of wide receiver running back pieces there to work with, so it'll be very interesting. Yeah, he he was at Jags before. and uh, yeah, he was, yeah. Got managed to get Blake Bortles to uh, third-best offence in the efficiency-wise that season, they got to the AFC title game. So I think that's quite a good uh, feather in the cap. Rogers does love him. And uh, apparently he drew up all the red zone plays for, for Green Bay. That was his role with the team to be red zone. Because obviously Matt Floor does call his own plays. Uh, and the Packers were number one in red zone offense, not this season, season before. And then in the top 10 this season. So I guess there's some credentials there, but we all know being a head coach is, uh, is different. Uh, allegedly, he's going to hire the passing game coordinator defense from the Rams is DC, so they're going to play a Rams-style defense. Uh, and the offensive line coach from Green Bay apparently is going to come over and potentially be his OC if they can do a deal. So he's kind of working with people he knows. Uh, the guy from the Rams is actually the best man at his wedding, <laughs> so he is getting uh, he is getting two mates to come in and work with him. But we'll see how that works out. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of a worry, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, it, it is slightly, isn't it? Obviously, you trust you kind of bring your inner circle in, but that doesn't mean. That's always going to work for the best, does it? We'll see. I think a lot of it's going to depend on what kind of quarterback they get because they've got good pieces on defence. You'd expect them to be a an above-average defence, wouldn't you? But it's all about yeah. offense. If life works that way, I need one of my best mates to become an NFL head coach so I can just get a nice cheeky OC job. But unfortunately, <laughs> it doesn't seem to be that way. That's uh, a couple... coordinator. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. 
Uh, a couple of other jobs then, so not quite locked up, but Jags looked to be after Brian Leftwich. Uh, apparently Hackett and Iberflus were the other top two candidates, so they got hired. So it does seem not they're left with Leftwich, but that does seem to be the only option for the ones they gave their final interview to. Uh, rumours are he won't take the job unless former safety Adrian Wilson, I think his name is, uh, becomes the GM over Bulky. So that's not quite confirmed yet as of right now, but it seems to be a lock that Leftwich is going to be there. Uh, I do like that coach. The Jags fans love him, used to be their quarterback. And at the moment, the Jags hate their team. So if you're the owner, you have to do a hiring like this to appease your fans and try and turn the franchise around. I like the fact he's an offensive mind to work with Trevor Lawrence. And I also like the fact that he's strong enough to say, I'm not coming in unless you change the GM as well. Whether that new GM is any good, we won't know. But I just think I like the confidence for him to say, I'm not going to be your head coach without a new GM. So I think overall, the early signs that that is a good appointment. And when you're a team as bad as the Jags, I just think you have to make positive strides. And I think that is one for me. Yeah, definitely. I think every Jags fan will be happy to see the back of Trent Balky. But I, until he's got the uh, Jags cap on in the image, mate, I'm not sure. They, <laughs> that owner makes some very strange decisions. Yeah. So uh, let's just wait and see what happens there. I'm not 100% convinced you're going to get rid of Trent Balky. So we'll... Also. Yeah, if they don't, then uh, it could be Mr. Vic Fangio that comes in, yeah. Ted Balky's friend, which that would just be absolutely hilarious. Trevor Lawrence's career is doomed if that happens, but we'll see. Uh, a couple of other ones we won't really go into detail on because these are just kind of uh, Ian Rappaport and people like that saying that of the final interviews, this person is favoured. So Dolphins allegedly look to be leaning towards Dable. Um, good offensive hire if they can do it. But very different quarterback to Tua, so the offense will have to look. Uh, sorry, to Josh Allen, so the offense will have to look completely different. Giants apparently looking after Flores. The ownership group wants someone who has been a head coach before, which is why maybe Dable was not as favoured there now. Um, and it wouldn't shock me again for the Giants to hire someone who used to work in New England. Those two franchises weirdly have a very strong relationship, even though they hammered each other in a couple of Super Bowls. Uh, the Raiders, though, look to be after Josh McDaniels, which is the one I will ask your opinion on. Uh, apparently he's been after him for a few weeks apparently McDaniels was not clear if he wanted to coach he was going to wait still in New England but now for this to come out and interview them it seems like the Raiders maybe have had word that he's at least open to coming in for a chat so what are your thoughts if the Raiders can get that deal done? Um, Mate if this guy if you're not if he's not jumping into your arms to be the head coach of the Raiders I just don't even think I'd bother with him after what happened with the Colts a few years back I mean he, he he actually stepped out of his house last year and interviewed with the Eagles. So I'm, I'm glad he didn't get the job, really. He seems a bit of a strange character. He's done well for the kind of the Patriots the last two seasons, as opposed to the weapons that they've got. Do you know what I mean? So he has done well there. But previously, the thing that he did to the Colts and... He doesn't seem to be jumping for joy at this, more the Raiders chasing him because he maybe feels like he's a bit more of a famous name or whatever. But, yeah, I'm not 100% feeling it, to be honest with you. But yeah. that's, that's the Raiders guy. That's the guy, right? <laughs> well, it's funny that they're just going after another big name. And I just wonder what sort of contract he's going to command because he's very well paid. For an OC, he's allegedly top five in terms of salary in the whole of the NFL. So I do find it funny that they could end up offering him a massive deal. After what happened to Gruden, it just seems to be risky to give another massive name a massive contract, but we'll see. And a final bit of news, Dan Quinn, after not getting the Bears job, he didn't say this, but I just find it funny that the Bears hire someone immediately, that an hour later Dan Quinn says, oh, I've decided to stay as uh, 
DC for the Cowboys, which I think is probably good news for the Cowboys. And I think it's Dan Quinn saying, if Sean Payton doesn't come to Dallas, Mike McCarthy has another terrible end to the season. Dan Quinn's probably a lock, isn't he? For the da- could be a lock for the Dallas Cowboys job. You know what I mean, I think that's him thinking smart. Uh, if he didn't get the Bears job, I don't really want to risk it and go to the Jags. I don't want to go to the Raiders, so I'll just stay in Dallas and hope that, that McCarthy gets fired. Because I think if McCarthy does get fired, Quinn would probably be at least first name on the interim list if it was mid-season. Yeah, I would agree with you there. He's probably just kind of playing the smart waiting game, isn't he? If he didn't get the Bears job, he doesn't fancy anything else on the list. He's If he doesn't happen now this year, well, which obviously it won't, but next year again, it all just works in the cycle, doesn't it? He's one of the names yeah. that's going to be banded around. So you'd expect him to get a job maybe next year. Yeah, and you only normally get two chances to be an NFL head coach. So you want to choose the right team for your second shot because if it goes wrong, then you're very unlikely to get it again. You're going to have to be just a DC or college head coach in in the future. So we'll see. Uh, Right, let's move on from the terrible teams that had to get rid of their coaches and talk about uh, maybe the four best teams. Uh, Bengals at Chiefs first game on Sky. I think this is at 8.05 on Sunday. Uh, We'll read out the lines and stuff. So it's uh, Chiefs minus seven, which is quite a big line. A very similar line, actually, to the year they played the Titans in the the title game. Uh, And the points total is 54.5, so pretty high. It's actually the same points total that the Bills versus Chiefs had. Uh, How are we going to do it? We've got some key questions that uh, Patrick actually made most of them, technically. Uh, We'll talk about each topic, and and then at the end, we'll make our picks for the total and the spread and the winner of the game. So first topic, then, um, let's talk about Week 17. Both these games, uh, Sunday, are actually rematches. This one where the Chiefs lost... Uh, to a last-second field goal from uh, Evan McPherson. And I guess the question we asked was, what went wrong with the Chiefs in Week 17? Also, I am biased, so why don't you give your thoughts on what went wrong and how repeatable some of that is for this weekend? Oh, this For a start, the first thing you said was two repeats of late-season games, which I don't love. But at least the Super Bowl is not going to be a repeated game this season, whichever kind of order... Yeah, true. Actually, I didn't think of that. That's yeah, good, so that, that's that's good. That's a good thing. It's not great that it's two late season rematches. But as far as the Chiefs go, obviously there was there's two ways to look at it, right? So the play calling and the execution in the second half of that game was dreadful, wasn't it? Yeah. But then also the penalties that were against the Chiefs and the, maybe the decisions against them kind of led to the comeback, it helped the Bengals a lot that a lot more than what you can maybe your regular fan would want to admit. You don't want to see the best teams. You don't want to no one ever backs up like like when Des caught the ball in the end zone, everybody was like, actually that's not a catch mate, because he's got a Cowboys uniform on. So we all don't want to see that. It's the same as like the Chiefs it is yeah. don't want to admit that actually they might have got hosed by several calls. Yeah, so. I think it was uh, six first downs in the second half alone given by penalty and 107 penalty yards given <laughs> against the Chiefs. And two touchdowns took off the board also for the Chiefs in that game. So, yeah, uh, the second half, they did actually play terribly. That's just the truth. But you are right that the refs definitely... That, well, the whole last drive was nine and a half minutes long, wasn't it? You don't see a nine and a half minute drive with a two-minute warning and three times outs. It's... It's nearly impossible unless you have loads of offensive holding to actually have a drive that lasts that long because otherwise you're going to score too quick. But the fact the referees kept giving penalty after penalty, 
And uh, I think they had a 11 play, was it red zone stand from the one yard line? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, that is unheard of. But um, yeah, you are right. Chiefs played poorly. Offense was actually not to blame, as in the refs, sorry, were not to blame for the offense. The offense had three drives in the second half, which is quite rare, isn't it? You, do, you often get four drives at least in half. They only had three and they scored three points. So the referees really didn't impact the Chiefs' offense in the second half. That was kind of their all own doing. Uh, and it was a very typical thing that as an Eagles fan, you know, Andy Reid ran the ball more in the second half of that game than he ran in any game the Chiefs have won this season. So I guess, do you think that's part of it? We're in the playoffs now and you're not going to just be running the ball. If you're up 10 points, you're going to give the ball to Mahomes. Is that something that could change from week 17? I would like to think so as a Chiefs fan, but as a neutral, would you would you think so too? Yeah, I think so, because on the flip side of you've seen that the Bengals can put points now yeah. uh, against yeah. your team, not just against other teams. And then you need to counteract that by kind of keeping your foot on the throttle. But I don't think um, McKinnon played in that game, did he? No, still on uh, IR in that game. Uh, the Chiefs lost Orlando Brown on the first drive. So they had to play uh, Joe Tooney at left tackle and they had to play a right guard at right tackle. Um, so they were pretty injured on the offensive line. But yeah, McKinnon was still on IR, you're right, and um, Darrell Williams was also injured in that game. So the Chiefs did have a few injuries, but I do believe that uh, the Bengals also were missing one of their safeties for that game. So I guess, you know what I mean? You never know how this evens out, do you? But uh, Mahomes did get pressured quite a lot in the second half, which I think maybe doesn't happen with your, your left tackle on. Uh, I was interested in listening to Spag's comments yesterday. Obviously, he was blamed quite heavily, even by me, I think, for the loss. And he said that they liked the plan. They watched the film and they liked the plan on Chase and said that he caught six passes that the corner should bat down, in their opinion, and that he committed two offensive pass interferences that they didn't call. So it does seem like they're going to play the same game plan to a point uh, and then knowing Spags would have a couple of other tricks up his sleeve. But he himself was just saying, I like the fact that Ward was there for every catch if you watch the game back. Chase just made a catch over the top of him or pushed off on him. That was almost what <laughs> the Chiefs DC was saying. Which I, I found those comments interesting from a guy that praises Joe Burrow so much to almost say, uh, yeah, I think he almost, he didn't say these words, but he was almost said that Chase was lucky to have a game that way and we fancy our corners to do way better in man coverage. Uh, as a neutral that loves Jamar Chase, what are your thoughts on hearing him talk that way? Uh, very, very odd. Um, one thing I would say, talking about the pushing off and the offensive pass interference, I don't know if he wants to kind of get that off into the media and it kind of becomes an issue during the game. That can sometimes happen, can't it? Obviously, he is yeah. kind of a, a veteran coach. So Yeah, yeah. and obviously his his um, his secondary got called for loads of pass interference calls themselves. So whether he's just saying, oh, just, let's not call it, do you know what I mean? Like, let's just play. And not call it. Um, maybe he's just trying to indicate that. But the referees doing this game have given the least amount of defensive um, holding and uh, DPI calls in the whole league. And they've also done the least flags against the defence in the entire league. So that might help from a Chiefs point of view. And I'd be annoyed if I was a Bengals fan because Chase is very good at drawing pass interference normally. Yeah, he is. Especially on kind of the deeper routes instead of the intermediate. But... One thing I would say that I, I thought the Bengals did really well in the first game was, apart from one reception from McCall Hardman, there was no big plays at all from the big kind of elite players of the Chiefs. So no Hill, no Kelsey big plays. There was nothing from kind of Pringle was only at just over 10 yards. So I thought they did well there, kind of keeping it in that short intermediate range and then 
getting the tackle because obviously it's Tyreek Hill, isn't it? Because at some point, both Hill and Chase are going to catch the ball in space because they're impossible to mark the whole game in man coverage. That's just suicidal, isn't it? One on one. Eventually, you're going to get beat and they're going to catch it in space. But they did well in the first game to not allow a lot of yards after the catch. I think that's so important. I mean, we saw it last week with Buffalo giving up those yards at the end, just how fast that two yards can become 15 in the blink of an eye, can't it? So I thought they did well there. Something that I'd expect the Chiefs to um, change up a little bit to add more yards after the catch. Yeah, I'd agree. Let's go back to to Jamar Chase specifically then. Uh, Next question on the list was, is he the key to success or failure, I guess, depending on which team you want to win or think will win. Uh, Is he the key? I know obviously quarterbacks are key and we both kind of know that, but aside from the quarterback, is he the main man to drive success in this game or do you think there's going to be a lot more storylines or is it a case of if he gets 280 yards, the Bengals are going to win or is there more to it than that? Uh, I think there's going to be more to it, but what I would say is if he has a small stat line, I don't see a way to victory for uh, okay. Cincinnati. Because I do, I do think he needs to... I mean, I wouldn't... If he gets 11 catches, 266 and three touchdowns again, <laughs> you would say that the Bengals are going to be in with a good shot of winning because you would expect a couple of other drives to have brought points as well as his touchdown drives. So... But anything under kind of 120 yards, I really do think that they're going to struggle. I really, really do like T. Higgins, but he's he's a great guy moving the chains, but he's not kind of like a blockbuster that's going to shred you all day with his pace and get huge, huge gains. So, yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not all on chase, but they need to get the yardage with chase, I think, to stand a chance. I think that's quite a good way to look at it, actually. I never thought of it. I was kind of thinking more of the, if he has a massive game. But I think you're right, actually. If you come away from the game and he's got 60 yards, five receptions, even if it's a touchdown or not in there, if you saw that score, that box score, you'd be thinking the Chiefs won. Do you know what I mean? Because he, he probably needs a bigger day than than 40 to, to 80 yards. He needs, like you said, 100, 100 plus for sure. Uh, I think CJ Zama will help them in that regard. He's actually had more part receiving yards than um, Tyler Boyd in the last six weeks. So they've kind of used the tight end a little bit more. Chiefs do struggle against tight ends historically. So I think they'll try and use him. But I would agree with you that if they have, uh, do what they did to Diggs. I don't know if you saw Diggs' stat line, but it was like three three receptions, wasn't it? For seven yards, I think I saw. Yeah, it was. That was something we never really spoke about, did we, on Monday? Because there was so much to talk about. But that stat line from Diggs is an eye-opener. Yeah, you're not going to expect that, but any any stat line under 100 yards, after keeping digs to that, you'll be thinking you've done a good job. But um, we'll see. Chase definitely, definitely burned them last time. Uh, next one, then. So let's talk about Bengals O-line versus Chiefs D-line. They gave up nine sacks last weekend. And I, I actually forgot that um, there was two other sacks called back, one for delay of game and one for a defensive holding. So we actually got physically sacked 11 times, but only nine came up on the, the uh, box score. Uh, I've seen different debates all week saying that the Titans' D-line is better than the Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs obviously have Chris Jones, and uh, Melvin Ingram uh, is has been a lot better recently. Frank Clark, not so much. Do you think that this is going to be a key issue, or you just think that Joe Burrow can get the ball out so quick that he's going to get sacked regardless and he won't actually kind of play much into the final score in the end? 
No, I can't. I can't go with uh, option B there because <laughs> anything like last week. That I mean, at the end of the day, those nine sacks completely changed the complexion of the game last week. But the only thing is that Tennessee was so poor on offense that it didn't become the overriding main issue because at the end of the Bengals put up, what, 19 points on offense. He was pressured so much. Yeah, they got some yardage in, but at the end of the day, they were putting a lot of second and third and longs all day long by those sacks and QB hits. So if that happens in this game, then I would say that there was... I think already the Bengals are at, for me, slim chance. But if they, if it's a repeater last week and Melvin Ingram and not so much Frank Clark maybe, but Chris Jones and kind of Jaron Reed maybe go off a little bit, I just think it's going to be so much harder because I don't expect the Chiefs to put up 16 points like the Titans. So Yeah, it's the right side of their line, isn't it, the, the, the issue. Riley Reef was playing right tackle, but he's injured. And the right guard... Um, I've forgotten his name now, he's given up the most pressures in in the NFL, apart from Alex Leatherwood this season. So I think it's the right side. Obviously, Chris Jones and Melvin Ingram both rush the right side together. So that's your that's your left end and left DDT that you're going to be going against. So I do think that the Chiefs will be hoping for, uh, for pressure there. And I guess the key to that is then don't blitz as much, you know, don't blitz Burrow as much. If, you, if their offensive line gives up, I think nine, eight of the nine sacks last week were against four-man pressures. Uh, there was no seven-man blitzes that were causing sacks. They didn't need to do it last week. So I think the Chiefs need to take a kind of look at the Titans' plan because I think if you're blitzing seven to get pressure, it's not the same that if you could just do it with your front four. So I do think they need to limit the blitz, at least in the first half, whilst they see what kind of game plan the Bengals have got. Yeah, I would agree with that completely. Uh, next point then after the offensive line. So uh, this is an obvious one um, that I kind of put in myself. I put about Jesse Bates, he's such a good player. The Bengals secondary, do you think they can slow down Hill, Kelsey and Hardman? Um, they did slow Hill and Kelsey down relatively well in the first game, but a lot of that was uh, Travis Kelsey had three pretty bad drops in that game. Uh, Tyreek Hill, they doubled the whole game, which I don't expect to be any different. So do you think it's going to be a Kelsey and Hardman show if the Chiefs do have a big day on offense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, And I would also add in um, Byron Pringle in there, someone I quite like. Especially coming then, you got coming out the backfield, the weapons there. I think you have to double Hill because you would be happy with six catches for 40 yards, like in week 17. If you could nail that stat line in for the Bengals, you would do straight away. And then you take your chances kind of with Kelsey kind of having a game like he did last time. Hartman. He broke one for 53 yards. You, you kind of have to accept that against the Chiefs. That he's going to break at some point, but he's just kind of limiting that. So, yeah, I would be doubling Hill all day long. Yeah, I think that would be their plan. Um, I thought Jesse Bates was actually really good against... I know he caught one massive pass, didn't he? But I thought uh, Jesse Bates was pretty good helping over the top against AJ Brown because... I know Tannehill missed one and he had the, the amazing touchdown pass, but I don't think Hudo or AJ Brown maybe had the impact that I thought they were going to have. And I think the secondary for the Bengals is maybe better than I thought it was. I think Jesse Bates has probably a lot to do with that. I think he's a good player. Yeah, absolutely. He's kind of one of the better safeties, isn't he, in the league? So, yeah, they did a good job on AJ Brown. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of his catches last week were just down to underthrown balls that <laughs> AJ Brown could actually get to in the end. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, and he was down to grab everything of like bloody, yeah, two bloody one handed catches. So, 
it's just uh, he 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 was just incredible uh, with a bad quarterback performance. But I do think Jesse Bates played him pretty well, and Awuzie as well was a pretty good corner that I think did well. Uh, did well against the Chiefs the first time. Uh, last key question slash topic then. The run game of both teams and fourth downs. Obviously, Zach Taylor gets a lot of stick, especially from me. I think you had him first uh, coach fired as well. So <laughs> you were a non-believer. Uh, since the Chiefs game, they've actually ran more on first down in the playoffs than any other team. Uh, their first down efficiency rate is the worst in the playoffs because they run so much. Do you think they need to completely abandon this? And that's why I mentioned fourth downs as well. And also, they've been one of the more... Uh, not scared, but they have fourth down less, but they have been winning both games. So maybe that's why. Do you think they need to kind of abandon early runs at times with Burrow and then also go for it more on fourth down? Is that going to be a key to them just trying to keep up with the Chiefs' offense? Yeah, obviously, you're going to need to go for more fours in this game. Like Buffalo went, I think, four for four last week, didn't they? They knew that they're going to have to keep the foot down. I think the problem is, is I wouldn't expect the Bengals to be ahead early and be controlling this game like they did the other two. So I think that may naturally dictate that you pass more on first down. I just surely if they fall behind, even if it's just seven points in the first quarter, you just don't want to be seen mixing with the ball every time on first down, do you? Because I just don't think that that's going to work all game long again. They've not, To be honest with you, I know the Bengals are in the AFC Championship game. I've not been overly impressed with them in those two games. I thought they'd been much better kind of towards the end of the regular season than they've been yeah. in those two games. They really dropped off on offence since the Chiefs came, haven't they, funnily enough. So yeah, they it's are, pro- yeah. probably the ideal ideal opponent to spark that spark that fire again and stuff. But yeah, I agree with you. I think that whether they're losing or not, they should pass it a bit more on first down. Uh, definitely on second down. Their second down run rate is also pretty high. They should definitely pass it more on second down. Um, yeah, and as the group game script dictates, maybe I'll oh, down 10 or Mahomes starts with the ball, he scores. Okay, let's just go out and be aggressive on the first drive, pass it a bit more, score, etc. I do think they need to have that that mindset. Same with Andy Reid. Um, he got a lead twice on these guys, 14 points both times, ran the ball quite a lot. We saw in the red zone last weekend after the Tyreek Hill return, the Chiefs had the chance to go up two scores with eight minutes to go. In my opinion, would have won the game to kind of negate the end of the game scenario. Uh, but he decided to run twice with McKinnon and then do a speed option with Blake Bell um, because he wanted to run the clock. And I just think we can't have any Andy Reid trying to kill the clock too early in games. I think he needs to stay aggressive because I just think Burrow is an aggressive quarterback to play. I think if you're up 10 and you've got the chance to kill the game, you go kill the game and get seven. You don't kill the, try and kill the game, score a field goal, and then leave Burrow the chance to score two touchdowns to win the game. I just think uh, Zach Taylor's pretty bad for it, but... Andy Reid is not far behind at times when it comes to trying to kill the game with the run. But we'll, we'll see. These are two very, uh, very pass-heavy offences when they win easily. And when they don't win easily, it's because they've ran the ball probably too much. Uh, let's see about both quarterbacks then. How fun is it going to be to see Joe Burrow going against Mahomes after what we saw with Josh Allen last week? Yeah, definitely. It's also great to see Burrow get an early career championship game. I think we said last week, didn't we? There's only actually so many to go around in a career. Yeah. So when I was thinking to myself, I was driving the other day thinking, oh, you know, is it a free hit for the Bengals? But actually it can't be seen as a free hit because you only get so many. You beat the Chiefs, you know, this year. It was like four weeks ago when the game comes around, it will be. So you have to be looking at that and thinking, this is kind of our time. It's sort of fallen into place in the North this season for them, where they kind of won it. I mean, you look at the 
you look at the table, they won it easily in the end. So it's all fallen into place. They played the Raiders, the Titans, two non-real, non-entities, one of the worst first seeds ever. This is your chance to really to get to the Super Bowl. You're always going to have to beat a really good team on the way, aren't you? So I think for Burrow, he's going to look across the field and see the best quarterback in the world, right? He's, he has to match that. Yeah, I think he's the sort of guy that would look forward to that challenge as well, to be honest. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be nervous at all. And I do, I have been chuckling to myself all week about, because you know how much I love college football, about the crowd noise at Arrowhead, which is probably the loudest in the NFL, which is actually, I don't think that's up for debate, really. I think it is the loudest in the NFL, but he's, he said he's played in the SEC, so he'll be okay. I have had fun just reading people's comments all week. On yeah, that, I have to say, that, that did annoy me as a non Because <laughs> I look at numbers and he's like, I played in front of 100,000 every week. And I was like, yeah, but they're home games. The ones he was talking about, the one season. I was like, six of them are home games. I'm like, your offence is not getting crowd noise when you've got <laughs> home games. But yeah, he had two away games that were really loud when I went back and looked at the numbers. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I know they were playing, I don't know if you saw it, you see they were playing crowd noise in, like actual Chiefs crowd noise through speakers yeah, into the stadium. But they had to apologise to the people that live around the, uh, live around the area because they just cranked it all day, which I find quite fun. Man, if you were just there and you're trying to work from home, all of a sudden you've got like Chiefs songs going on in the background. You're like, what is that noise? And it's just <laughs> Joe Burrow practising his silent count on offence, which is quite fun. Uh, let's move to picks then. Let's go uh, under over first. 54.5, like I said. Same as the Bills, which I find surprising, but the Bills do have a better defence uh, and a better offence. So I think the fact that the Bengals may be slightly worse on offence, but also slightly worse on defence might contribute to why the total is the same. I'm not going to be surprised at your answer, I don't think. Are you going to go over or under 54.5? I'm going under. Oh, I did not expect that. Yeah. What's the reasoning? What do you think? Um, just because the Bengals' offense has taken a dip, I had expect the Chiefs to score at their regular chip sort of thing, but I'm just not sure that the Bengals are going to keep up like in Week 17. It's just it's just a gut feeling I've got. And most teams also make the Chiefs do really long drives, don't they? So that does take time off the clock, which doesn't help yeah. if you bet the over. Uh, I'm going to go over. Um, I think we were t- two for two on these last week. Uh, two and two, I should say, out of four. I'm going to go over. I think I can't see the Chiefs. This is a bold. This is probably going to bite me. I can't see the Chiefs scoring less than 33. So I just think you need the Bengals to score 21. I also don't think the Burrow can, will score less than 24. So... I think it will lean over, but uh, I'll be quite happy with an under if the Chiefs win. I'll take that, but I would lean I would lean over on this game. Uh, spread then, Chiefs minus seven. I'll go first because of the bias. Uh, I've picked Chiefs minus seven, which means I've also picked Chiefs to win the game. Uh, I just think Patrick Mahomes is too good at the moment. Uh, I think the play calling on offense, aside from one drive last week, and actually two drives, is pretty good. Uh, the defense is worse than it was six weeks ago. Uh, Tyron Matthews should play. I just think Chris Jones is due a big game and I'm hoping he gets it here. And uh, But I do expect the Bengals to score a lot of points and it maybe goes down to the Chiefs having to run out the fourth quarter to keep a 10-point lead or something like that. I don't think it'll be a blowout, but uh, I hope it is. But yeah, I'll go Chiefs minus seven. Chiefs to win the game. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to go the same. I, uh, it's been in my head ever since the game was kind of settled after the Bills last week. So just for the same reasons, really. I, I just... 
don't think the Bengals are going to keep up. They might just be one step too far this season. I'd love to be wrong and it'd be a, an absolutely <laughs> gripping game. Do you know what I mean? But just give it. I've just got a feeling it's kind of shades of uh, last year's AFC Championship game. So, so you're just trying to keep me on side here, so I don't uh, tweet anything bad about you when I release the podcast. That's the only thing. That's the reason you're <laughs> picking the Chiefs. Um, cool. Let's move on to the late game then. Uh, I was surprised the games were this way around, but I think now we've spoken about it, I'm not. I do think this next game's got maybe a bit more intrigue for your average fan. Uh, in terms of points total, then uh, it is forty-five point five, so nearly nine, well, exactly nine points lower. The spread is Rams minus three and a half. It's the exact same spread that the last time these two teams played, minus three and a half at SoFi, which the 49ers obviously won. Uh, again, we've kind of worked out five key questions slash topics, and then we'll see if anything else comes up at the end. Uh, first of all, injuries. 49ers injuries. Uh, I guess the question is, are we worried about them? Trent Williams didn't practice yesterday, which is a worry. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, which I did not know, but I only found out reading before the pod, he actually was limited as well with a knee injury, which is a bit strange because uh, he wasn't very explosive last weekend. I was a bit disappointed by him, and him having an injury does kind of make sense. Uh, Garoppolo has thumb and shoulder still, which is just not great. It's, it's, it's almost why he's playing so bad. His completion percentage is normally 71%. It's down to 46 with his thumb injury. I think he's really struggling. Uh, Van Jefferson also didn't practice on Wednesday, but was limited on Thursday uh, with another knee injury. So there's quite a few injuries in this game to think about. Uh, how much do they all matter, in your opinion? Uh, for the 49ers, it could be absolutely massive. Because what's the news on Kittle as well? Uh, he has practice this week. He's practised, hasn't he? Yesterday he practised, yeah. Yeah, that's a good sign because, I mean, you're talking, I mean, you've you've just listed off basically every top-level 49er player except for Fred Warner because obviously Debo was, he's been on the list, hasn't he, this week as well. So, yeah, I, I would be crushed, to be honest with you, if the 49ers didn't have a full set of players because I think it's just the worst time. You never want any reason of why you didn't perform your best in a championship game right you just you just injuries are the worst thing if they came out there with a shell and the rams just blew them away that's kind of doesn't tell me anything about the rams or kind of don't really tell me about the 49ers was it as far as they could go so it's a big story and i just hope that they can get everyone out there and to be able to perform trent williams is the one i'm probably most worried about yeah, same. Because I rewatched the Green Bay game um, to my sins with that terrible offensive <laughs> performance. But uh, I did. If you look at it, they got a lot of pressure. Green Bay on Jimmy, like a lot. Both defensive lines got a lot of pressure. And if you take the best left tackle in football out of the lineup, even though he was injured in the fourth quarter, he still wasn't injured for the whole three quarters before that had loads of pressure. I'd be really worried for the 49ers offense because they haven't exactly gotten a well-established offensive line around him. Uh, that are playing well at the moment. I know uh, Mac played pretty well last week, but um, yeah, I'd be worried if you're missing your, the, literally the best left tackle. They put him in motion. They always run down his side on fourth downs. Uh, Kittle always blocks on the other side opposite him because they don't need him to chip on the left side. So I would be concerned uh, for them. That Jimmy would have a lot less time with a very good Rams defensive line, wouldn't he, if uh, Trent Williams was out? Yeah, he would. I mean, chances are it would be Jalen Moore starting. Yeah, that is just not... <laughs> That's a big downgrade, isn't it? Yeah, it's a big downgrade. So 
That that's a worry. I'm hoping he can get out there and perform because I mean he's going to need to because the Rams are going to be coming, aren't they? Yeah, and it's actually if you look at it just from a personal point of view, the career he had, you know, with the whole cancer thing with Washington in the end it wasn't, but obviously they were telling him it could be and how he felt he was treated there, um, making him play with a knee injury in his first year that then obviously ended up missing time. Uh, and he kind of left Washington because of how they treated him with injuries. And I think it would suck if him specifically had to miss this game because of injury because he's waited all his life you know what I mean, to get to an AFC title game. And I think he deserves it at his age, uh, being one of the best left tackles I've ever seen. So I think him personally would suck. Um, Whitworth as well, he's probably going to play now. I think that's a big bonus. Noteboom did do well. Uh, last week, but I still think Andrew Bitworth in pass protection is a significant upgrade uh, on the left side of that offense flying for the Rams. Yeah, absolutely. No boom was actually um, awesome, wasn't he? At times, yeah, week. he was. Yeah, but just going back then to the to the injury list, obviously Garoppolo, like you said, the big drop in percentage thing. That is that is a massive worry isn't it because last week well, we mentioned it monday there was two in particular that i watched back one was to the uh, charlie Verner, the backup tight end and the other one passed was to elijah mitchell out in the fly and my it looked like i had thrown them honestly <laughs> you know when you're playing on the beach or in your garden it did honestly i was like you're floating them out there mate the rams are going to be all over that yeah especially jane ramsey right coming off that corner blitz yeah. and slot blitz and playing a lot more in the slot than he does outside now to try and get involved a bit more. He's going to kind of beat up those uh, opportunities. I think that's probably a good time to move on to the... We'll go on to the next question after this, but we're already talking about Jimmy G, so let's talk about him. Um, I kind of put how much does he matter for the game, which is a weird thing to say for a quarterback, but they've won two games being on the road, not being favourite, with him having two of the worst performances of A, his playoff career, but of any playoff career in terms of wins. Uh, he hasn't thrown a passing touchdown yet. His passer rating is all-time low, like I said, 40-odd percent completion rate. How much does he really matter? Like Going against a team like this, are they such an upgrade from the way the Packers played last week that he still ha- he has to play his best for them to win? Or does he just need to play better, 200 yards, no interceptions, and then let everyone do the rest? Or does he actually need to play really well on passing downs for them to do well? Because it's if you look back at the previous games, it was passing that they really killed the Rams to come back in that game. It wasn't running as much as everyone thinks it normally is. Yeah, he obviously the big comeback he had over 300 yards, didn't he? Uh, yeah. Week 18. So with 9.9 yards per average as well, which is pretty good, obviously. But I would say on the scale of Garoppolo, what I need, <laughs> I'm going to go, you just need him to be of his ability, probably a 7 out of 10. Don't give any stupid interceptions away. Like Just make the throws when you need to make them. Like the big one to Kittle last week for a first down, that was a big, big catch that kept the drive going. Just plays like that. It, the injury, obviously, we spoke about it, is, could dictate whether he's able to make these throws, because he does actually throw deep quite often, especially in the regular season. He's not really done it in the playoffs, has he? But in the regular season, he does throw deep balls. Yeah, it does. So if you can mix in that and get a chunk out of it, oh, I don't know, mate. If he if he plays like he did last week, <laughs> I don't think there's a way that the Rams don't capitalise 
and get some turnovers because not only were they bad throws, they were bad throws in bad positions on the field. Yeah, they were always around like the 40-yard line. You know, you're just getting a drive going, 40-yard either side of the hash. And I was thinking, oh, here we go, the 49ers are going to score now. I'll keep it interested. And then he'd throw a ball. Obviously, it didn't get intercepted, but he lost a down and they often had to punt in those situations. But against the Rams, you could throw that same pass and it could be a pick six for Jalen Ramsey. Do you know what I mean? Which any sort of defensive score in a playoff game dramatically improves your chance to win or decrease if you do it. So, yeah, I agree. I think if you're looking at it as a neutral, if you said Jimmy doesn't throw any interceptions this game, that's all you know. Jimmy doesn't throw one single interception, no fumbles. I think you'd say the 49ers have like at least a 30% better chance than what if he did because uh, he's thrown two killer interceptions the last two games. Yeah, if you were going to tell me he throws no interceptions, I'd be thinking... Close game. I think, I think that the 49ers, if they can get the running game going as to our, I think that they can get it going, I think they would probably actually win this game. Ooh, I don't think that's that's far wrong. Um, yeah, he he's very good normally at throwing to the middle of the field, but uh, he hasn't got that at the moment. It's just... It's just been really difficult for him to generate any sort of offense with that injury. Uh, and they've clearly showed no want to even put um, Trey Lance in for any snaps to throw the ball deep once or maybe to do a couple of QB runs. Maybe they put that in this week. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan's a very good coordinator, so they might do it. But they've shown no signs of just not letting Jimmy just stay out there. And it's basically win by the Jimmy, lose by the Jimmy, it seems like. Even though they run the ball a lot, he still has to do a lot in that offense, make a lot of checks at the line, a lot of RPO calls. And, uh, yeah, I do think the injury could be uh, could be a big worry. Uh, let's talk about the two coaches then. Uh, the previous record, something that you brought up that we wanted to talk about. So, Kyle is 6-0 and versus McFay uh, in this job. 31-10 earlier in the season. I watched that game back yesterday. That was absolute demolishing. Stafford was getting smashed all over the place as well. Uh, and then, what was it, three weeks ago maybe? Maybe a bit less? Four? Uh, sorry, a bit more, maybe four weeks. They had the OT comeback where they were down 17. Sean McVay's partying in the end zone with his players. And then Kyle Shanahan basically just mugs him off, comes back, takes the ball to overtime. Uh, Odell Beckham has two of the worst downs I've seen him have for the Rams. Back-to-back, 49ers get the ball back, go on a touchdown drive and, and win the game. Uh, how much is there to it? Obviously, they know each other well. McVay came from the car thing. McVay said this week that it's not in his head at all. Small sample size sort of thing. Uh, how much do you believe McVay? And I guess how much do you think it matters? Uh, divisional matchup, obviously, as well. Which is it, de- it definitely matters. I mean, I think he, when you say in your head, it's not like I don't think it's going to affect the outcome of the game but he's definitely thinking about this because it's something that gets brought up right all the time yeah all the time then you go celebrating running round in the first half which you should never do in any sport i don't care whether you're playing cricket or or you're playing football don't go celebrating in the first half but i actually think it's not going to affect the outcome of the game i just love it as a storyline because obviously it's two kind of young Highly thought of coaches, right? Neither's yeah. won the Super Bowl yet, but one of them surely is going to win one in the next 10 years. They both lost the Super Bowl each as well, haven't they? Yeah, That's both lost the Super Bowl each to the same guy. No, not the same guy. Well, no, he, I mean, I'm sorry, head... I was thinking about him in. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hampton, yeah. yeah, he's lost two. One as an OC, one as a head coach. McVeigh lost to Bill, where they scored like a ridiculously low amount of points in the game, didn't they? But. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's not going to necessarily dictate the outcome, but I think the fact that it's a thing is 
already dictating the outcome in a sense. You know what I mean? Like the fact that they performed so well against the Rams, it, that's just, it's not, I don't think it's a fluke, if that makes sense. Um, in terms of why, if I look at the numbers, right, just between these two teams, some of these stats are crazy. Aaron Donald has a 90, uh, I think it's a 90 PFF grade and something like a 41% pressure rate against every other team in the NFL, best in the league. Uh, against the 49ers, he has a 60 PFF grade uh, and an 11% pressure rate against the 49ers, which doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, Jimmy G against every other team is like 61% middle of the field completion rate. Against McVay's teams, he's 89.2% middle of the field completion percentage. Uh, Debo Samuel uh, averages 20 yards after the catch against... Oh, sorry. Averages 12 yards against the catch against every other team. He averages 26.1 against McVay. Uh, and some of these stats I was just reading like, oh my God, every stat for the 49ers has increased against McVay and every stat is worse. Um, Matt Stafford, I know he's only played a couple of games, so it's not really as as relevant, but he throws double the amount of turnover-worthy plays against the 49ers as he does against any other team. He has 10% worse completion percentage. His third down is the worst of any team. Uh, some of the stats just don't really make any sense. But, um, yeah, I agree with you that it won't necessarily dictate initially, but I just think the fact that these things happen, there is something there. Do you know what I mean? The schemes that two guys run uh, must mean something. So I do find that... I do find that quite interesting. Uh, in terms of this game, do you expect either coach to change the game plan? They're both pretty run heavy, uh, aren't they? And they do make their quarterback throw a lot on third and six, third and seven. Yeah, I wouldn't expect um, miraculous changes at all. But if one of them can, if McVeigh can kind of tweak it up a little bit, I would expect a lot of um, Cam Akers. Early. I mean, I think in the, the game I thought, so, yes, Sony Michelle, 21 attempts, 43 yards. You can't just keep hammering that, can you, if it's not working? Obviously, Cam A- it, that was Cam Akers' comeback game where he only had five touches, but you can't just keep ramming it for two yards just because it's what you do and it's in your scheme. So I, I do wonder whether the difference of having Akers touch the ball more is going to be there. But if that's not working, does he have kind of the wherewithal to say, actually, we might need to come out here on first and second down, maybe get OBJ involved in some short yardage passing and then just kind of use that as a run game. But, yeah, great. For me, earlier in the week, I was just like, oh, I've seen this game recently. I just can't believe there's two games of rematches. But I'm fully hyped on this game now. Just I think it's got great storylines. and Yeah, I, I'm more excited than I thought. For a divisional replay, if you know what I mean, than than, than I thought it was going to be. Um, I'm a bit of an Odell Beckham fan, as you know, as well, so that does interest me. Uh, I did have that question next, actually. So 49ers secondary, historically, we've mentioned it all season. It's not great, but they play zone. They literally never play man, ever. When they play man, they get absolutely torched. So they just play zone the whole game and make you beat zone coverage rather than go man to man on the outside. Uh, how do you think it's going to hold up against a team like the Rams? I think... Uh, especially Cup, very, very clever wide receiver, isn't he? He's ex-quarterback, so he reads zones pretty well. Uh, do you think maybe the zone coverage might get torched a little bit more than it did against Green Bay and uh, Dallas just because of the type of players they're against? Or do you still expect them to carry on with how they've been doing uh, in terms of good secondary coverage and great pass rush up front? Well, I think if you look back at the two games, even though one was recently, I would expect it to be different. Obviously, Cup got him. I mean, he was immense, wasn't he? He was over 118 yards. I would expect Beckham 
to get more touches in this game because he has looked incredible, hasn't he, so far in the playoffs for kind of what you what you gave up absolutely nothing for him. So it's he was only two for eighteen in the end of the regular season game. I would expect more of him underneath against that zone, and I think that could hurt them more than previously by the Rams. I think that's a big if you get Cam Akers going more on the ground, more than two yards average with what Michelle does, and then you get Beckham going kind of on the when the soft zone is there underneath. Mate, I think it could be a long day for the 49ers. I think they'll take the big plays away from Stafford. But yeah, it kind of worries me. Odell Beckham is rounding off nicely and looks in elite form, so that would worry me there. Yeah, he's also pretty good historically against zone coverage, which is not ideal from a, from a Rams' point of view. Uh, sorry, from a 49ers' point of view. Um, yeah, I do agree. I think their secondary is still good, but it is going to struggle. Uh, in terms of the two coaches, then, going back to them, uh, run game for both teams. I think the Rams' run game last week was the worst it's been. Uh, actually, against the 49ers, they had the worst rushing efficiency of the season. Uh, both coaches love to run the ball. Do you think McVeigh is going to still heavily lean on that? Um and is it going to be important for him not to? Because Kyle, we know, draws up the best run game in the NFL. So if McVay is trying to go run for run and their efficiency is terrible, is he going to kind of back himself into a corner like he did in the second half of that Bucks game? Yeah, definitely. I think that is because Cam Akers obviously was great in the first half of the Bucks game and was not in the second half. So I think if you go in with that kind of same mentality, if you have another lead, I just think it could end the same way as the regular season game and then the last week, the Bucks game. Obviously, they got, I wouldn't say lucky against the Bucks at the end, but, you know, it was fortuitous that they got a chance to win with kind of 40 seconds left, wasn't it, after giving up that big lead, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I do agree. I think that he does need to be careful with his runs, even throw it a bit more on first down, run more second, third down if you have to. I just think when he gets into run first down, run second down, make Stafford throw on third down, that can often be an issue. Uh, and we know, especially if Trent Williams is out, Kyle's going to probably run the ball more, would you say? If Trent Williams is not right or or not 100% or not even playing, I don't think they're going to want to put him with that leg into massive like four-second pass pro against Von Miller and, and Aaron Donald. I think they're going to want to run, maybe run down the gut a bit more, uh, do some cool things with Debo. Uh, so I do actually think that the 49ers could run even more in this game if Trent is not his, his normal self. Yeah, especially... It's just something about the 49ers. I love when they kind of get into second and long and even sometimes third and longer that they still run the ball because they're just so creative with the movement on the line to create yeah. the holes that they exploit. So, yeah, I wouldn't want them to up the rushing attempts much more. I still do think you kind of need Garoppolo to do his bit and make the plays. Yeah, I think Debo as well ran it 25 times total last couple of games. I think I'd want to see... I think I'd want to see 15 runs from Debo in this game, if I could get it. Yeah, definitely, because his kind of runs, they're all so mixed up, aren't they? Sometimes it's just like a literal a toss in the backfield. Yeah. Not yeah. even to the side, they just toss it to him in the backfield and then <laughs> hope he can find the hole that's being created for him. Yeah, and the thing is, some of his runs are like passes, aren't they, in terms of the average yards they get. He doesn't get like... He, can, he sometimes does, but... He doesn't just get three-yard runs like maybe Mitchell does sometimes. He'll get a 13-yard run, won't he? And it just really helps you kind of up the offense. But um, Yeah, I did have a funny question, actually. How many fourth and one or fourth and two punts 
are we going to see past their own 40 for both these coaches? Two oh. coaches that hate to go from fourth down, especially McVeigh. What are your thoughts? How many are we going to see in this game? I reckon you're going to see at least two of those situations. But they, well, they should definitely go for it and they just punt it away and everyone's yeah, yeah, I just don't it. think the 49ers should, unless you're deep in your own territory, ever be. There is... you. Shanahan will have a myriad of fourth and one, fourth and two runs. It's just like yeah. it's the time now of the season to pull the one out that you haven't you, that you've been saving up, sort of thing. <laughs> Especially with the QB banged up, you know, and on the road, underdog stuff like that. I, I do agree. Uh, it's McVeigh though. If he gets the fifty yards, the fourth and one, and he's punting down to the ten yard line, I'm going to be fuming. But I will count them up to see how close you get with the deal there. The two picks, right? Uh, let's pick the game then. We spoke about both teams in depth, so under over first, uh, 45.5. Uh, I am going to go over on this one, I think it's going to go over. Uh, I do think both defensive lines are going to have great success. Uh, these are two incredible offensive uh, defensive lines. They're probably, I don't know if they're the best two, they're up there. I think the Cowboys is pretty good as well, but yeah, they're up there as two of the best offense uh, defensive lines in the league. So, I do think there's going to be times in the game where maybe we're going punt, punt, punt. But I do think we could easily see a turnover from both quarterbacks. Uh, special teams with Debo returning kicks is important. Van Jefferson's very good now at returning punts. So I do think we're going to see high scoring, maybe around the 50-point marks. So I'll go over. What are your thoughts? I am also going over. Yeah, I'm, I feel confident in going over. I like a kind of a mid-20s for mm. both teams, maybe around that. And what's that? Because you've got less faith in the defence? Or you just think these two play callers, they can have a couple of drives each where they just call up a perfect game and get what they need. Yeah, I think if you can hit a couple of big plays, that'll help the over. If it's going to be a grind it out every 49ers drive takes seven minutes, then we may struggle. We may need <laughs> the Rams to do some quick hitters to get the uh, over. But yeah, I like it going over. I think it's going to be a, a close and medium high scoring game. Yeah, a couple of maybe an OJ, uh, OBJ bomb that could help quicken up the score in a bit. Also, yeah. uh, spread then, like I said, Rams minus three and a half. Annoying to get that 0.5, depending on if you're a Rams backer or not. Uh, probably leans where I'm going. Uh, I'm going to buck the trend of the 6 and 0 Shanahan's. I have picked the 49ers the other two games in terms of the spread, but uh, in the playoffs. But I am going to go Rams minus three and a half. I just think Cup, Odell, Miller, Ramsey. And the main man, Aaron Donald, is just too good. Uh, even though I do think it's quite harsh. A lot of people saying that the Rams team is way better. And uh, 49ers have got the best linebacker in the NFL. They've got the second best tight end in the NFL. They've got a top five wide receiver in the NFL. They've got the best left tackle in the NFL. Do you know what I mean? They've got a lot of... They've got the best, uh, one of the best safeties in the NFL. So I just think people are overlooking them. But I'm going to lean Rams in a close game. Uh, it would not shock me if it was down to the last drive. Uh, that either the 49ers have a chance to win or the Rams come out and win it. So I'll go Rams minus three and a half. Yeah, I am desperately hopeful that this game comes down to a last drive here or there to to win it or to tie it up. I'm going to join you on Rams 3.5. Um, I thought you'd go 49ers, mate, if I'm honest. I thought you would. Yeah, I, I really... If they had no injury issues at all... Yeah. I would go 49ers, I think. I actually think that slightly... I, I think they're an equal kind of roster, because obviously both talented rosters, but I like the run game more of the 49ers. And, but these injuries are worrying me. Not only that, if they start, that doesn't mean that they're at full ability or they can finish the whole game. 
Trent Williams worries me quite a lot. So, yeah, I'm going to have to go the Rams. And then if I'm if I'm correct, that's my Super Bowl prediction from <laughs> summer podcast. Correct. Yes, I know. I do. When you said that, I was laughing to myself with the, on, on mute. Then thinking, oh no, he's picked the he's picked the same Super Bowl twice. So you're going to be on fire if that comes in on the weekend. Uh, <laughs> if it is that, then and it is you are correct, and it is Chiefs. At, it's not Chiefs at Rams, but it kind of is Chiefs at Rams. Uh, what do you think the line would be if that ends up being the, the thing? Because I think they would have Chiefs minus. Three and a half in the Super oh, Bowl. Yeah. I was just about to say two and a half, actually, for uh, depending on how the game runs. Maybe if the Rams uh, win by a touchdown or so, it kind of maybe goes two and a half. But yeah, yeah. Chiefs would be the favourite, wouldn't they? I think it'd be a worthy Super Bowl. Yeah, who would have more fans in the stands, though? Chiefs or Rams? Not Chiefs. Grand? Chiefs. You think? Yeah. yeah. Chiefs, the, the, this this week's, uh, I've been monitoring it on, obviously when I used to go to the US quite a lot, I used to use StubHub and I've been monitoring it this week and the uh, Rams game is kind of at like almost $600, the cheapest ticket in now. It's like nearly every seat is available. I think that's going to be heavy 49ers. Yeah, I read yesterday it's the most tickets sold to one event ever in StubHub history for the NFL. Oh, really, is it? That doesn't yeah. surprise me at all, because yeah. that silly thing the other day that they was only going to sell to Southern kind of LA, I was like, oh, why have you done that? Yeah, I, it, there's there's projections from a athletic beat writer that it'll be 65% 49ers fans in SoFi, which will be fun. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. I think Chiefs might. Chiefs travel well normally. Um, it's quite a long way to go, but yeah, we'll see. Who knows? It could be Bengals 49ers rematch of uh, the other two Super Bowls that the Bengals have been in. We'll find out the weekend. But uh, let us know your thoughts on our picks at the at Go for Two podcast. Two been number two. Uh, go follow Patrick at, at Mugs NFL. Where whenever, whenever your team wins on Sunday, you can order as much Super Bowl gear as you want. Uh, I know I'm going to be in that queue. Uh, hopefully, I won't be heartbroken and uh, have to uh, return my order. And get a Jamar Chase one. <laughs> oh, no. I'm, Odell Beckham's the reserve one. <laughs> if that fails, I'll be getting a juice check full <laughs> jumper just to make myself feel better. Though, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, enjoy the weekend, guys. Should be good. Uh, we'll be back Monday or Tuesday, as always, to review the action. Uh, and then we probably won't preview the Super Bowl till, till the other time. But yeah, thanks again for listening. And we'll speak to you soon. Yeah, speak to you soon, guys. Thank you.